We've been praying and we've been believing that this will be a season of miracles in the lives of people in this house. And what my pastor's just said fits so well into our time together here because he's talking about ordinary people just like you, just like me. And he's calling us to pursue all that God has called us to. To stand strong in the gifts that he has provided, to pursue the opportunities that he opens up before us, and to know that we have an expectation that when we call, God will answer. As I've been preparing and thinking for this time together this morning, there's been a phrase in the letter that Paul sends to the Ephesians that I've been, been thinking of and praying over each and every one of you and over this morning. Paul says, I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that He, uh, the confident hope that He has given to those He called, His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. In other words, He's saying, I have longed for, I, I, I've desired with a great intensity that God would show you who you are in God, that, that he would give you the wisdom to understand that you belong to a limitless, powerful God, and the insight to know that because of that, nothing is impossible for you. I, I pray that you in the place where, where you make decisions, where the decisions of your life are made in your heart, that you will have a revelation of light that causes you for, and changes you forever, gives you unstoppable hope to you because you were called to partner with God and change the part of the world where God has planted you. That's how I pray over you all the time. That you would wake up and realize that you're not ordinary people, that you're called of God, that you have God in your life, on your life, working through your life. I've chosen two verses from Acts to illustrate my point this morning. Peter is the most real, the most average, the most ordinary person alive in this group of apostles that is there. Scripture tells us that he's not a, a, a highly trained, highly schooled man, that he's ordinary. He's a, he's a fisherman by trade whose only real advantage was that he had been with Jesus and the closeness that he had with Jesus had transformed him over, over time into a spiritual dynamo. He, he was known to be impulsive, to say and to do things before he fully understood the impact and the implication of what he said and what he had done. He made promises that he wasn't able to keep. He made decisions that were hasty and ill-advised. He would move. He would push. He would shove himself to the front of the line where it would have been safer, would have been smarter for him to stand where he was and wait to be invited to move ahead by somebody in charge. He was ordinary. But in the second chapter of Acts, he is just... 51 days after one of his most embarrassing and difficult and telling failures. He'd been with Jesus at the Last Supper and, and, and he had heard Jesus was going to be killed by his enemies. And Peter stood up and boldly declared in front of, of Jesus and everyone that was there that he wouldn't allow that to happen. 
Peter would stand up. He would fight to the death for the honor and the life of Jesus and that Jesus would not in fact have to die because of my loyalty, Peter said, because of my valor. Jesus, who knows everything, knows everyone, looks at Peter and says, that, that's not how the story's going to unfold. Peter, you have some fears in you. You have some deep-seated insecurities that reign in the way that you think and the way that you react to pressure. And, and that before morning gets underway, those fears are going to come out and to be very, very evident to everyone that's around you. Peter, before the rooster announces the dawning of a brand new day, you will fiercely, boldly, with curses, announce that you don't know me. Not one time, not twice, but you will swear that you have never met me three times. Sure enough, just as Jesus had predicted, there was a there was an arrest, and all of the men in the entourage of Jesus flee. They run for their lives, including Peter. He, he, he hides and finally sneaks back into the trial that's being conducted in the courtyard and, and hides in the back and, and is asked by different people if he's a part of the, the group following Jesus, and he denies it each and every time. On the third time, Luke records the story this way. Peter is implicated to be part of Jesus because he's a Galilean too. You have to be part. You're from the Galilee. Peter says that the man is mistaken and he's most definitely not a part of this crew. And it says in the Gospel of Luke, at that moment, when he denied the Lord, the Lord looked, turned and looked at Peter and, and suddenly the the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. Three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard. And it records that he was weeping bitterly. We can identify with Peter. He seems like one of us because in, in that moment, he stands where we have stood, knee-deep in disloyal failure, proving the words that others have spoken over us to be absolutely true and accurate. And, and, and with that picture in mind, leap ahead with me, not, not even two, not much farther than, than 51 days, not even two months later, there's been an incredible prayer meeting and 120 people have been transformed through the visitation and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And, and the sights and the sounds have, have overflowed into the marketplace and the rest of the city that's hosting a, a, a major festival have come to see what's going on. People have been watching, they've been guessing as to what this is? What, what does it mean? What, what's happening here? And the best guess is that this group of followers of Jesus have got into the sauce pretty early in the day. That, that, that they are so happy, so free, so relaxed in the way that they're conducting themselves that it can only be assumed that they've been partying through the night and that they're all drunk and disorderly. We go to Acts chapter 2. Verse 14, Peter stood up with the 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, you need to clearly understand what's happening here. These people are not drunk like you think they are, for it's only nine o'clock 
in the morning. Something has occurred. When you have publicly, forcefully embarrassed yourself, you don't usually return to the very area that you committed the humiliation and stand up and shout out to a growing crowd. You don't stand up and say, hey, my name is Peter and I have something to say. You don't identify yourself as one who just days before cursed and swore that you didn't know Jesus at the hour of his greatest need. But Peter, in the company of the other 11 apostles, stands up and he shouts out to the crowd. I love that because it tells us that your past, your mistakes, your shortcomings, your failings that occurred yesterday do not define who you are or what God can and cannot do with you. The Bible says that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That that with confidence, Peter stands up and makes himself heard, makes himself understood to the crowd. You need to understand that what is occurring here in this place at this time, that, that, what, was, that what Peter was saying to this huge crowd uh, that was gathering, Peter before Pentecost had not been renowned for knowing what was going on. In fact, he was not really self-aware or aware of what was going on around him. He, he didn't understand that no one was taking the life of Jesus from him. That Jesus was in fact laying down his life in a loving, sacrificial way. So with that lack of understanding, Peter takes out a knife that he had hidden and cuts off the ears of one of the, the men who've come to get Jesus. Not perceptive to what the time was for, why we were standing here like we are. But just two months later, he's, he's staying and he's explaining to a large crowd what and why things are taking place. He's saying this, God's at work. Don't, don't mistake, don't walk away. Don't think that this is just a party out of control. God's at work. The world is about to change and the change is taking place right here and it's starting right now. One of the reasons that Jesus returns to heaven and sends us the Holy Spirit is so that we don't get caught off guard by what's going on around us. Jesus says in John chapter 16, I will send you the Holy Spirit and he will show you the things that are happening. He will open your eyes, open your understanding to all that God is up to and why he is doing it. You will have wisdom to know what to do and insight as to why it must be done. Holy Spirit is your greatest help your greatest teacher, the best guide that you could ever ask for. Peter boldly, confidently moves from the shadow of past failures to a place where he can explain to a large crowd what God has done and what he's doing. He was born for this moment. Peter was born for this moment. He's been prepared for this amazing task. It's not that he's so accomplished in his own talent or in his own ability, but he's so full of God, so full of the presence, so full of the power of Jesus that it's like Jesus is just directing and guiding him, giving them the words to say. David, can you start making your way up here? Need to give him some time. I, I want you to know, I want you to understand that God is not focused on your past or even on your current disappointments and missteps. 
He, he has made provision for those. He, he sent his son to die in your place so that you could be free and stand confidently in the call that is in your, on your life. Paul says uh, it this way, do not allow yourself to stand in the place of condemnation for faults and failings. Because you believe and follow Jesus, there is no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. There's only one opinion that counts, and it's his. And he says, I, I, I'm not holding condemnation against you. The focus of God is on your purpose. The focus of God is on your mission, on, on your promise, your potential. He, he's calling you out from the embarrassing restrictions of your past and inviting you to the front of the crowd to loudly announce what God is doing and why he's doing it. That's you. That's for you. Ordinary people with an extraordinary mission to announce great joy. I, I love the part that, that Peter speaks out first. I, I, I love that he gives a positive message. He, he doesn't say, these people that stand in front of you are wearing unusual and out of fashion clothing because it's your desire to know that they are a peculiar people and better than all of you who are wearing your Dolce Cabana. He doesn't say that. And, and he doesn't stand up and say, this crowd of 120 people in front of you have been in solemn prayer for 10 straight days, 10 long days, and they're so much better than you because of their connection and their dedication to the spiritual disciplines. He doesn't say that either. His explanation is this. You see this people, you, you're aware that they're enjoying life. And celebrating this moment with fervor and, and with freedom. And, and your first thought is that the only people that can do it like that are seven sheets to the wind, drunk, can be happy, that free, that observant. They, they must be in the bottle. I want you to know, Peter says, wine has not done this. These people are not drunk. Who gets drunk at 9 a.m.? Obviously, he hasn't been to a Calgary stampede where the bars open at 9 a.m. But he says, this joy didn't come out of a bottle of spirits. This joy is a reality and constant in life that is full of God, full of the Holy Spirit. When we're living in the fullness of who we were meant to be and designed to be, there's a satisfaction that comes because we're seeing life as God designed it to be. We're, there, there, there's a fullness. There's an overflowing. When, when we're standing in the purpose that God has given to our lives, there's a joy of being a part of something that transforms lives and changes history. People keep talking to me about retirement, and I... I've never punched anybody in the nose, but I, I want to. We're just at the most exciting part of life. Do you think I want to sit at Tim Hortons all day and drink cold coffee? No. I want to be a part of the purposes of God. Shortly after these words, Peter gives an altar call and 3,000 in that one day get saved and, and transformed and the, and the wave starts to roll rolls over the community and over the city and out throughout the nation and starts to roll over nations and through history. Peter was convinced in that moment that with God nothing is impossible. That 
God could take a city and could change it forever. That nations could belong to God. That anything that needed to happen could and in fact would happen according to the purposes of God. I have longed for, desired with great intensity that God would show you who you are in God. That he would give you the wisdom to understand that you belong to a limitless, power-filled God and the insight to know that because of that, nothing is impossible for you. I pray that you, in the place where your decisions are made, in your heart, that you will have a revelation of light that changes you forever, gives you unstoppable hope because you were called to partner with God and change your part of the world that God has put you in. Four words that I want you to take out of this room this morning. I want you to take these words home with you and to camp out on the truth of them this week. I want you to understand that you were called. There's not a person in this room that's not called by God to partner with him in this exciting period of history. You were called for this time. Your past doesn't define your future. God has brought you to this time and to this place for a purpose. I want you, secondly, to be confident in who you are in Christ. I find it interesting that the voice of our enemy always concentrates on who we are not and what we do not have. You're not a very good Christian. Oh, you can't do that. You, you've never spoken in public before. The voice of God always makes bold declarations about who you are. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And makes bold declarations of what we have. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. It is a great discernment tool. Is the message powerful and full of hope? Then it's God. Is it negative and stripping you of God-given authority? Then it's not of God. It's that easy. It's that easy. The third word is aware. There is a wisdom that comes from being full of God's Holy Spirit that allows us to know, even in chaotic times, what's going on. Aware of God at work and what He's working on. The awareness belongs to you. It, it, it gives you the ability to declare and to prophesy over situations that look hopeless. And even though the enemy meant this for destruction and evil, God is turning it around for good and for the salvation of many. Some of the people on my prayer list that have been there for the longest time, they think they're getting away with it. They think they're proving me wrong. But I'm standing in the place of prayer. I'm prophesying over their life every day. I'm believing. I'm expecting. I'm doing everything I can to move every partition away so that they can come and be reunited with God. They don't stand a chance. They don't. The final word is expectation. Standing in the fullness of all that God has given us fills us with expectation. If we're focused on what our eyes can see and what our physical ears can hear, we're doomed because the report is not good. P. 
People are disillusioned. People are walking in the wrong direction and saying that they will never listen to God. But there is a promise that comes. There's a promise from a God who has never broken a promise, never walked away from a promise, never left a promise unfulfilled. And the promise is this, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit, says the Lord, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men shall dream dreams, and your old men shall have vision. Expectation. Will you stand with me?